Listeners, start your engines. Episode 44, Rob here. On this episode, Kevin Thomas, a.k.a. Kevin the Critic, joins us to talk about 2014's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the first of just two Michael Bay-produced live-action CG hybrids of the uh, longtime Ninja Turtles franchise as we move forward towards the conclusion of this mega series. As always, you can find more episodes of this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, and other podcatchers, as well as CrookedTable.com. Leave us a rating or review wherever you're listening to this episode. For now, let's listen to a little bit of the trailer and then jump into our conversation about 2014's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Go! This is our city! That's what I'm talking about! Like shadows in the night, completely unseen... Give me the camera. Oh, look, he's doing his Batman voice. Back off, Rat. Do not say a word about this to anyone. If you do, we will find you. Yeah, we'll find you. I'm sorry, that came across super creepy, okay? That's, <laughs> we will find you, though. <sighs> My sons, I have trained you your whole lives to protect the city above. But I fear you are not ready for its greatest threat. We're taking your armor to the next level. Shredder. Welcome to Franchise Detours, where we believe no movie series travels in a straight line. On this episode, we're continuing our journey through the the sewers of New York City as we talk Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That's the six theatrically released Ninja Turtles movies. And this episode, we're talking about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from 2014. And I am honored to welcome to the show Kevin Thomas, a.k.a. Kevin the Critic. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. So tell people a little bit about who you are, what you do, and and then we'll get into your history with the with the heroes in a half shell. All right. So I go online as Kevin the Critic. I've been writing film reviews since I was about ten years old. Uh, starting in 2015, I, with the help of some friends, made a WordPress site and started uploading all of my old film reviews onto that and I've been an active and I've been using social media for that blog and to like interact with people for a little over I want to say four or five years now like right when I got like right when I got into college I started using Twitter because I had to use it for a class and I was like okay this could be useful just get my work out there and find other film nerds yeah, I just yeah. love talking about I just love talking about movies, all all kinds of them, in, including this one. <laughs> so what do you what do you make of all the the Twitter discourse? Like good, bad? You gotta gotta filter through it all. It's it's particularly during awards time, like like I, now we're recording this right I, on the eve of the Oscar nods. I hate Twitter during awards time because everyone turns into little children if their actor mm-hmm. or actress does not get nominated. 
Yeah. I'm like, you know what? They were great. Lots of great performances don't get nominated. It it happens every single year. And like I keep seeing like I'm manifesting insert actor here and I just feel like I'm manifesting a mature response to whoever wins the Oscars <laughs> nominations tomorrow. Yeah. I have kind of a mixed feelings about that because like I, I obviously root for the movies I like to win Oscars. Well, but it's yeah, also you it's, put too much people put too much stake in yeah. it. Like if it doesn't win that doesn't mean it's bad. There's a yeah, whole and, like system and politics involved. Yeah, it's a whole other thing. And that's kind of what I I'm like too. It's like, look, what I like would there are, are there certain actors actresses that I would like to get recognized by the Academy, nominate or win? Absolutely yes. But if they don't, I'm not gonna go into like a huge rant about it because that right. doesn't change anything. Right. Exactly. Like, all right. They're still great in this movie. The movie still was amazing like to you it's fine like yeah oh my god everything's the end of the world it's either the best or the worst thing you can't have there's no nuance whatsoever to the conversation you know, you know i remember like i don't remember what movie this comes from but it's like some some movie it's a, a line in is something like when you're young everything feels like the end of the world yeah. and i feel like the modernized version of that is when you're on twitter everyone acts like it's the end of the world yeah yeah, pretty much, pretty much. But to your point, I I agree with you. Like it's the good side of Twitter has been all the connections. Like so many people, including yeah. yourself, that I've had on this podcast, I've connected with on there, DM'd and like, hey, I'm talking about this movie. Do you want to come on? Or or they're just randomly posting about something that they love. And I was like, I'm getting actually getting ready to cover that. Would you like to tell them and chat about it for an hour? And so <laughs> it's you know, it's it's been really good for that. It's a good tool for that as well. Letterboxd, also another big one for me mm. as far as connecting with people and uh, research for the show. It's a little behind the scenes. But it's so funny that we're talking about Oscars and then we're going to transition into uh, 2014's <laughs> the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Clearly, clearly, <laughs> clearly the Oscars look this gem over. There is so much yeah. untapped depth to this movie. This is this is the I year even, of I, I can't even yeah. I can't even finish that sentence with a straight face. It, it was that year. It was that, as I recall, Birdman, uh, the Theory of Everything, what American Sniper, oh. and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Right, those are some oh, yeah. of the like the, the best picture. Can... Four films of the entire year. Oh all, boy, they all pushed cinema forward in their own way. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, so tell people what was your introduction to these characters? You know, we've had. As people have heard on this podcast, the three movies in the 90s, there's the 2007 quasi-animated, quasi-sequel to to uh, Turtles in Time, and all the shows and the comics and everything. So what was your entry point? Okay, so my entry point was probably, my entry point to it was probably, it was one of two things. It was either the 1990 movie, which I recorded every time it came on TV and owned on DVD for several years, or it was the TMNT 2 Battle Nexus game on GameCube, which like incorporated clips from the 2003 show that was on at the time into right. it. And so I kind of, I just love that game and I watched the, the clips and I just, actually, you know, you know what? it was the 1990 movie. I distinctly remember it was that. And I really liked it as a kid because, hey, the trolls are talking and they're they're kicking people. And I like it as an adult because I think that movie understands like how to balance being 
somewhat dark and mature for something aimed at children while also having enough levity in there to keep it from getting too dour for them. Yeah. No, 100%. It's it's an audio medium, but I'm nodding profusely as you're saying that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think there there are some movies that when you go back from your childhood, you're like, oh no, what was I thinking? Oh, yeah. And then there's the 1990 Ninja Turtles movie where you're like, oh no, this holds up. Like this is still pretty solid. Yeah. That's thing. Like, when I went back to watch, I remember like, I went, I think it was like last year, two years ago, I went back to, you know, I went back to watch it again and I had learned that it was, it was like an independently produced film. And then I think it's Golden Harvest, like picked mm-hmm. it up. And just watching it through that through those eyes of like this was an independently made movie. It's like, wow, this is really good. Like this does not look cheap. This looks like they this looks like they used every dime of money they had to the best that it could be used. They got good actors and great animatronics. And they took it just seriously enough to that so they're like, if you can get into it, it's like, hey. It's actually a pretty solid movie here. Yeah. Yeah, there's certain things about that movie, you know, the style, things like that, that feel very early 90s. But generally, like, it it does have a little bit, certainly way more of a timeless feel to it than any of the other movies, particularly the sequel with uh, Vanilla Ice. and. (laughs) I I tried watching Secret of the Ooze soon after, and I couldn't make it through. I was like, oh, this... Uh, it's, Secret of the Use ha- has a special well, place in my heart, but well, I wouldn't I, really well, defend well, it well, as a movie. I, well, the thing is, I used to love it. Like I remember, yeah, exactly. I would like ride. I would like we would have like long car rides, like my family, and I would want to watch Ninja Turtles two endlessly. Yeah. And my sister, who just doesn't like Ninja Turtles at all, would just sit there and tolerate it, and my <laughs> parents would have to listen to it up front over and over and over again. And, and watching yeah. it as an adult, I was like, yeah, the vanilla ice thing is good, but that's the very end of the movie. Oh, the last five minutes. <laughs> that that one scene I've watched in isolation, and I love it because it's just, in isolation, it's one of the most batty scenes I've ever watched. It's like, they're in this club, and David Warner is like dancing awkwardly. And everyone's not freaking out that there are like four six foot turtles in the middle of the dance floor. Well, it's all part of the show. It's one of those movie things. You're like, oh, yeah, this must be all what such realistic costumes they have on. Oh yeah, that, and they literally handled that away. And yeah. Then, and then I, I've never liked Turtles Three. Like even the first time I saw it, I was like, yeah, this is kind of boring. It's I saw that I watched that a lot as a kid, but like way less than the first two. Like. I would see it every once in a while, but like one and two were on a, on regular yeah. rotation. Well, I mean, I guess like I watched it a good amount. Like I remember watching it on DVD several times, but just like as I got older and I started going back to things, I re- I recognized that I went back to the first two films more mm-hmm. because they had more value for me, or like they they were more entertaining to me. Yeah, and the third one, it tries. I admire it for trying to switch things up and do something different. There are just some things, a lot of things like hold it back from yeah. me. If somebody yeah. out there likes it, then great. Like there's nothing wrong with it. Every movie entertains somebody out in the world. And there are worse requels that I've seen than that. Absolutely. 
So, so when it came to, you know, the 2007 one's kind of its own thing. Yeah, and then, I, and I yeah, remember seeing, I remember seeing the 2007 one in theaters. Like, I felt retroactively, I feel bad because, like, my dad, who is not a Ninja Turtles guy, he's not an animation guy. He he ended up taking me to that, and I mm-hmm. had like the most amazing time in my life at 12 years old. And he, when I asked him, like, what do you think? He was like, that was really bad. <laughs> and I was like, and I was like, no, that was awesome. Like, I loved it. And as an adult, yeah, it's it's a bit dumb, but I kind of I like the relationship between I like making the relationship between Leo and Raph be like the centerpiece of that movie. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that aspect works. And absolutely, I like, and I like that the fact that it's animated allows them to do things that they couldn't do in live action because they were limited by just the practicalities of these being real people. Yeah, I think you, you nailed exactly kind of how what what attracts me about that one is the story. You know, the the I forget even the, the story of that movie because I haven't I have spoilers for the show. I haven't uh, I haven't gone. We haven't recorded that one as of this recording. Uh, it's it, like some tycoon guy who's well, knee, who brings the, yeah. those the stone warriors back or something. Like the story yeah, it, is it, it, whatever, but yeah, the yeah, story it, of it. It's like like I remember I saw it in theaters. And even at 12, I was like, what? Like, (laughs) oh my God, it's an evil general. Like, I think they think they were being clever by not doing Shredder, by like doing something. And I'm like, "Eh, that people just put a fun of that, probably. And then, like, at the end of that movie, they hint like Shredder is coming back because Karai, who's a character in that (laughs) for no reason, is like, he may return. Old friends from the past or something. I put it <laughs> on like, for my, my daughter recently and I yeah. was kind of around and I was like, eh, I don't really need to sit down for this. I got things. <laughs> um, but I'll watch it for this podcast again. I hope your daughter <laughs> She likes it. She likes, she's seen the, she hasn't seen these. I think I've shown yeah. her the cover and she's like, well, no, that looks scary. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I understand. Yeah, you know what? Fair enough. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I... She's only six, so I think oh, she's yeah. like eh, not ready for that yet. Yeah, I don't think I want to show the, the 2014 one to a six-year-old either for yeah. multiple reasons. Oh God, I know. We'll get into that. So, but but the the 2014 one and the 2007 one both have something in common. Very different approaches. One is very kid, like focused on being a kids' movie. One is kind of doesn't care if kids are even there, really. <laughs> to be honest with you, other than it's yeah. the, you know the property that it that it's uh, yeah. a film from. Uh, but they they both the story is all all over the place and kind oh, of totally inconsequential. Uh, but the turtles are like at the core of it. The dynamic with the turtles feels rings true with the animated series and the other, you know, the games and other stuff. So I think that's yeah. where I land. So let's, let me key up the 2014. So this came out a, a week after guardians of the galaxy, which is why it's oh. even more impressive that it did as well as it did. Oh yeah. Uh, $125 million budget did 191 domestic and 485 worldwide. So decent amount of money, still the highest grossing Ninja Turtles movie and the first PG 13. And it's directed by, Jonathan Liebsman, who did like Darkness Falls back in the, in like 2000, I think. Uh, yeah. Battle of Los Angeles, Wrath of the oh. Titans, just a journeyman director, yeah. essentially. He, he's, he's, Jonathan Liebsman is the guy you get when you just want to make like 
we need a blockbuster that will make money and make, and entertain people while they're munching on their popcorn. Right. And, and a director who will, who will uh, say, sure. When, whatever Michael Bay says, like, let's do yeah. this. Like, okay, sure. That sounds good. <laughs> Yes. Um, which you, you get very much that impression with this movie. Yeah, I don't, I don't get a lot of a, I don't feel a lot of like a directorial hand on this movie. I, exactly. get, I, I feel a bunch, I feel very much like he was hired to do all like the, he was hired to like make sure it came together. But Michael Bay is looking over his shoulder saying, let's do this. Let's do this. What if yeah. we did that? And I think it's really funny, like in this movie, like the way that William Fickner in this movie is lit, he in a lot of scenes to me, he kind of looks like Michael Bay to me a little bit. <laughs> I can see that. Like especially like early on, like this, he's got his hair looks golden, and it's like, is this a slight on the like? Is this like? I wonder if Michael Bay recognizes this. <laughs> is it, yeah, is this like who he would be in this world? He's like. I don't know. I don't know what the, what the, yeah, there's definitely some kind of subtext there. Um, but, but yeah. So would you consider this a reboot or a remake? What's the distinction that you I, make there? Cause I have very strong feelings about that. I would consider this a reboot yeah. only because there are so many things different from, okay. Like when you remake something generally, I think you try to stick to the basics of like what, the original story of the first thing was with like moderate with some modern updates here and there. Right. This movie felt to me like, okay, we're going to keep the fact that there's a girl named April O'Neil who's a reporter and there are four turtles who do ninja stuff taught by a rat. And that's, <laughs> and that's about a, it. Pretty much. Yeah. So yeah, this to me is a total reboot of the series of the things, even though I caught one, what I'm hoping is one very distinct reference to the first, to the 1991, where they're slicing pizza up in the air. Yes. And a slice lands on Splinter's head. Yep. There's that. There's, there are, there are a lot of little, little uh, references to, I think the first movie, as well as the animated show, uh, the turtle van at the end. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of things like that. They obviously the uh, tonight I dine on turtle soup, Cowabunga, yeah. like a lot of the hallmarks. They still love Pizza Hut for some reason, even though they're in New York with like some of the best pizza in the in the <laughs> nation. And they're like, nope, Pizza Hut. I'm like, that, really? That was that was yeah. hilarious when like they put the Pizza Hut thing right in the camera. It's like <laughs> Yeah, a lot of product placement. Okay. Um even narratively, like Raphael is, is separated from the turtles a lot more a lot, you know, in this one, sort yeah. of like the original. Uh, and, the sewer is invaded and splinters attacked. Yeah. A lot of yeah, there similar. Some, yeah, there, there are some. There are definitely like some similarities going on there, but for the most part, I think they set out to make this as much of its own thing as possible. And I kind of and I I respect that idea. Okay. Yeah, I I respect that they tried to make this kind of different tonally. While also having little homages to what came before, just like little bones to throw longtime fans. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So going into this movie, as a longtime fan of the franchise, what was your were you what where do you stand on Michael Bay and the Transformers movies? Were you did that make you excited or worried going into uh, this? 
Because, you know, those things have their fans. I mean, yeah. I'm not one of them, but people love those movies. I I like the first Transformers movie. I think the I think like the first one from 2007 right. is a is a perfectly entertaining blockbuster. Like I get the complaints that no, the robots are not the main characters, the humans are. And part of I think part of the reason I'm okay with that in that movie is because I'm not as big of a Transformers guy. Yeah, like, I'm not either. That, that 2007's Transformers was my intro to that franchise. Mm-hmm. And so to me the Transformers being kind of secondary in what should be their own story. It's like, if I was a bigger fan, I'd understand that. But as you know, where my relationship is, I'm like, I'm okay with it. I like the story of the first movie. Sequels kind of jump up all around. I think Bumblebee is the best one because it has like the smallest story. And I like the relationship between Bumblebee and the, the girl in that best. Right. But yeah, like the Transformers movies, I was okay with it. Like when I heard Michael Bay was making um making this, I was like, okay, that seemed a little weird, but I'm down. Like, let's see how it turns out. No wait and see approach, yeah. 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 It, it helps that he wasn't directing. So you're like, all right, um, he's gonna put his clout behind it. And uh, and I think none of us expected this to feel and look as much like a Transformers movie as it actually no, does. No, it, it really it feels. Oh my god, this this feels okay. So you know how I just said that I'm okay with the Transformers <laughs> not being the main characters in their own movie because I'm not yeah. a fan of that. Okay, well I'm a big fan of the turtles from the other movies, and so the length that this movie goes to to not be about the turtles is hilarious. I literally felt like, are you guys just doing whatever you can not to have to spend money by having the turtles in the shot? Yeah. Like I think it so. literally feels like that sometimes. They're not the main characters in this. April O'Neil is. And that's in it as an April O'Neil movie, it's all right. Like <laughs> You know, I well, love- you need you need her as the entry yeah. point. She's the audience yeah, yeah, surrogate, yeah. the intro to the world. Because the '90 movie does that same kind yeah, of thing. And the thing like, and I like, I really like the way this one starts. Yes, like the first twenty minutes or so, like when it's just about April and she's she wants to be a reporter, and we're getting introduced to all the human cast. I'm like, okay, I like the way this opens up. It's like, okay, good. We need a human. It's good to have a human character to to connect to. It's super basic, but okay. Person who wants to get ahead in their field. I can latch onto that. Right. And then the turtles show up and it their designs are just they're weird. Yeah. Like, they look like I'll be like, I was seeing I was seeing in my in my head to myself like grown up adult roid abusers, grown up adult roid abusers. <laughs> because they all look like they don't look like teenagers to me at all. They look like fully grown adults and they don't (laughs) talk like teenagers most of the time. And so, and also like this, the, the detail on their designs. Yeah. It just, it's too much a little bit. I'm like, guys, um, I don't need them to have super defined nostril holes. Yeah. The nostrils are a big thing for me too. I'm like, first of all, why do they have nostrils? Why do they have human teeth? If they're if they are just 
turtles that grew large, which is, you know, the thing. Some of the some of these versions of this franchise kind of have their own takes on, yeah. you know, Splinter was a man who then like kind of merged with a rat and then became yeah. a rat man, or he's a rat who got large or whatever. Or like they like to mess he, with yeah. the origin story a lot. Yeah. This does that too. Yeah. Uh, it's just like, and like, yeah, I think that the, yeah, just the, the designs of them, I got used to it as the movie went on and I saw them more, but it's like the first scene where April is with them, it's almost shot like a scary thing because mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, if I was her, I'd be screaming my head off at four giant turtle guys threatening me for my phone. Well, not even four giant turtle guys, four giant turtle guys who look and sound like they're all like 60, had a midlife crisis, a couple crappy marriages. Like, you know, they got all these tattoos that like they spend all their time in the gym because that's all they have going on in their life. So they're depressed and, and then the one line that I like from them in that scene is like yeah. when she's climbing up the ladder. And I think it's Raphael who's like, oh, yeah, spirit, like spirits in the night. And I'm like, <laughs> all right. Yeah, that, that's 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 like teenagery. Yeah. We're not going to do that. OK, we're just going to have them scare April and the kids out. OK, that's that's another way to take it. Well, that, that's the other thing. Like the tone here, like we were saying, it's so it's got all the Bay isms, the the slow motion. It's dark and it's literally dark, like not yeah, yeah, totally, like, not too, but it, it's like hard. Everything is all yeah. shadowy and, like you said, scary. Like I don't think they were making this for kids. It doesn't feel no, that way. And that's the thing. And like another thing, it's like because the Ninja Turtle comics, which I haven't read the comics, but I have done a little bit of research on them, and I know that they were originally meant to be like dark adult parodies of whatever was out at the time. Right. And so, like, you can, you could, if you wanted to make like a turtle movie that was just for adults, okay, I'm down for that. And it feels like in the beginning of this movie, that's what they're trying to do. And then when the turtles skate away, we have a fart gag. <laughs> and that's your indication of like, oh, oh, this that, is, that's that's the kid humor in this, this movie. Is, this is supposed to be this is for kids when you've turned the foot into a terrorist militia group attacking New York City. Well, that's <laughs> like, the thing, too. I know I know I put in my notes. It's like so the Foot Clan is basically like the League of Shadows. We just did the I did the Dark Knight trilogy last <laughs> oh, fall. No. And so like that this is kind of, there are kind of the League of Shadows in this in this uh in this movie. Well, but then it's just like this whole like plot with like the virus and we'll sell the cure and I'm like oh boy. And that's the yeah it's so bizarre how like the Foot Clan being like a militia group and the virus like those don't connect to me no no why would you and i only noticed that like on this on this rewatch i was like wait why would you do that if the ultimate plan is to like just unleash a virus like that just why like (laughs) you can't just it's also like it's like it's like pick a lane. Like, are you going for a, the grown-up audience that grew up with the original movies in the show? Are you going for today's kids? Yeah. Are you going for today's kids who are watching what I guess at the time the 2012 show on Nickelodeon? I've I haven't seen any full episodes of that, but I have watched a few clips, and I'm like, okay, that's a yeah. very like kiddish. It seems to be like a. Uh, 
a relatively lightly toned show, like more comedic. Right. And so to a child, I guess to a child growing up watching that on Nickelodeon and seeing the trailer for this movie, which is also produced by Nickelodeon. (laughs) It's like, weirdly, oh my God. Like, I'd be like, what have they done? Well, it's, yeah, it's. And like, I know on that, I know like on the show, April, this is a decision I think is just weird. Like, on that show, April is a teenager, and I think that her and Donatello are yeah, like, I've heard that. will they, won't they? And I'm like, why is she having a relation? Why is she <laughs> falling for any of them? That's something I don't like about this one at all, is how creepy Michelangelo is. Oh, my God. Yeah, there's uh, so, uh, there's a lot of creepy stuff in general in this movie, but my Michelangelo... Like obvious, some of the some of the him hitting on her is actually kind of funny. Like the yeah. the, the end with the turtle song. The, yeah, that's, yeah, that's I funny. see no, but yeah, together, funny. whatever that thing. But then he's like, "Oh, she's so hot, I could feel my shell tightening." I was like, my "Ew, tightening, and then gross." <laughs> no, thank you. Hard pass. There's a bunch of stuff like that where I'm like, "Yes, oh my god!" Like, look, and the thing to acknowledge it in the, yes. in the 1990 movie. He does a little bit of that too. Mm-hmm. The way that it, I think the way that it's written in that movie comes off more like a dumb teenage crush yeah. on someone exactly. who has no chance of getting with. And right. he's just naive to it. The movie isn't like, the movie doesn't push it too much. Yeah, this it's movie, it's it's not it's sexual like, in the in the original movie. Yeah, Here it's like, pretty much just like he wants to like get with yeah, uh, April. Yeah. Really, and I'm just, I'm just looking at it like, uh, I mean, again, Noel Fisher, all credit to Noel Fisher who voices him. He was, he also played Mickey on the American Shameless remake that they did. Oh, okay. And so knowing that was really funny watching this. Cause if you know who that character is, he, the fact that he's Michelangelo is hilarious, <laughs> but it's like, yeah, it, it's weird. He's bringing like whoever wrote this, that that's just it's just odd for no reason yeah well not only that it's not only the turtles it's everything with megan fox's character in this movie is she's so sexualized like her whole her whole introduction scene was her being like i want to be taken seriously and yeah uh, she jumps on the trampoline jumping on the trampoline vernon's calling her candy their ass when she's leaned out the window and i'm like and it's not a good look (laughs) especially when she left the transformers movies because of the whole like conflict with bay and And then he's like oh come on i'll I'll, it'll you know it won't be like that it's like to be honest like I remember that when this came out, there was a ton of flack around like how sexualized she was yeah. by this movie. Right. And I think, I don't think that it is as bad as it was made out to be by a lot of people. Okay. Fair. But it's, but it's still there. Yeah. Like I notice it and it's like, yeah, if you're aiming this at like the, at the 10 year old children who aren't exactly guardians yet, this stuff shouldn't be here. Vern should not be here at all. And like, it, it takes hard work to make Will Arnett not consistently funny. Yeah. And this movie to me kind of accomplishes that. He, <laughs> I think his stuff is even more distracting in the sequel where you like, he literally has no reason to be there, but he's still well, there for some reason. Yeah. And especially like we've seen what he can do on Bojack Horseman now. Right. And so going back to this, I was like, 
Oh, I know you're better than this. Like, <laughs> come on. So, so what are your thoughts on the way that, like, the personalities of turtles, minus okay. you know Michelangelo's horniness, okay. I guess. Obviously, so, we know that that their designs are terrifying. We needed yeah. the the Sonic the Hedgehog fan base a, oh, like yeah. a decade earlier to be like, yeah, what are you like, doing? <laughs> where the heck were you guys in my childhood? Was being yeah. like terrified away, but it's like, but yeah, like one of my issues with the turtles in this movie is that i don't i don't think they do a lot to distinguish their personalities here mm-hmm. like if i didn't know who they were from previous media going into this i don't think this script does enough to really distinguish them it's like okay so i'd be like okay so there's the purple one who's a tech guy and the orange one who's creepy and the red guy who's pissed off all the time. <laughs> Pretty and much. The blue, and the blue guy who I guess is the leader. Well, who's voiced by Johnny Knoxville, oh, which is I've forgotten that, until I was doing my research I, for this. I was like, oh, yeah. I, I had forgotten that, too. And I don't think his voice fits Leonardo as no. written here at all. I'm like, why did you cast him? That doesn't make – it doesn't match. He sounds considerably older than every other actor that they've cast. And it's like he, – he, it, he's like the stunt I casting, I think. It's just, yeah, it's just, it, it's like in the originals, I think, with Corey yeah. Feldman. It's kind of like uh, that vibe. Yeah, but I'm like, at least Corey Feldman, like he fit in that. Like, right. I, don't, I don't watch that and feel like, oh, Corey Feldman is here. I, I watch yeah. this and all I hear is like, oh, well, he's a real jackass now. Um, but yeah, I don't, and again, like the way that the, but yeah, I don't. I don't think their personalities are that well defined outside basically like Raphael is angry. Leonardo is the leader. Michelangelo is the goofy one. And Donatello is the tech guy. I don't get a good sense in this movie of like their love for each other and their brotherhood. And except for the ending where Mm -hmm. Raph has a speech. Yep. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah, Alan Richardson is the best person in this cast, in this voice cast. I think he brings, I think he as Raphael is like the best guy here. Because I think, I feel like he most, he most like brings to life that character. It makes him the most recognizable to me from previous versions and makes him fun here. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, for a lot of it, it's so muddled in that it's April's story. The turtles are like, paper thin characters but then that the third act you have all that action stuff on the mountain and then you have the the elevator scene with the the mc mikey and them kind of like uh riffing for a minute which is which feels like very ninja turtley in the in the best way and then the the raf's confession like i love that that moment 100 percent. you're right Uh, oh yeah and because like because like yeah like and the thing is I attribute it to Alan Richardson's voice performance in that yeah. moment, that and the music in that bit. The movie has not built up to that at all. I, I wrote in my notes, like the entire movie should have been centered around this. And it's to me, it's just not because they're so sidelined. Like they feel like plot devices here to me, not so much like characters that are super important to the overarching plot. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, did you, do you, have you heard that this was, this movie seems like it was essentially kind of a hack job that the story was? Oh, maybe you don't know about this. Okay. 
know yet. I know that originally they were supposed to be like aliens and not even mutants, yes. and then people flipped out. And so <laughs> yeah. they had to quickly change it. And they're like, okay, here's my favorite thing. My favorite way you can tell this is totally like a rush job is that the movie does a good job setting up like, all right, Eric Sachs is the villain of the movie. Mm-hmm. And then about ten minutes in, we randomly flash to a sh- to a shadow to a shadow clad man in a dark <laughs> room whose face we can't see and whose name we don't know, beating yep. up some guys. And then about forty five minutes later, we after seeing this man, I think twice more, Splinter the Roadkill Rat finally tells us who this guy is, and he just enters into the main villain spot. Yep. And it's like, I mean, it's like, I understand why people got mad. I'm like, you should have just recast Eric Sachs with an Asian actor. Yes. There whatever you go. the script was, 100%. whatever the script was before you quickly shot all that guy's scenes in one room on one day, just, just get an Asian actor or the, the, an actor of appropriate descent to right. play the exact character and keep that part good. Now, right. to his credit, I think William Fickner is actually the best human actor in the movie. Like he plays yeah. the most. When is William Fickner bad? When no, is he bad? Never, He's always never. great. Yeah. Like, even in this, like even in this teenage this movie about like super like teenage mutant ninja turtles, he is taking. He's like. Yes, I'm giving a real adult performance in this kid <laughs> yeah. movie. No, when he's like, then I'm gonna and I'm gonna be rich, like stupid rich. <laughs> oh, yeah, like when he no. says, I'm like, great line delivery. <laughs> no, That's no, your no, paycheck no. right there. No, and then like, my my favorite my favorite line from him, and like only he could deliver it, and it not be it's like, oh man, I wrote it down. Where is it? It's uh, oh yeah, it's like we will drain every last ounce of their blood. Even if it kills them, <laughs> and I'm just like, pretty sure it wait, will. I'm just, wait, I don't know. Wait, 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 I'm no I, doctor, but <laughs> I love how all of these guys are just standing there, like, "Yep, if it kills them by draining out all of their blood, uh, we'll see what happens." Doing that scene, there's like an adrenaline button just right there on the yeah, on the convenient. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah. So, so obviously, you know. Uh, Eric Sachs was supposed to be Shredder. It's also sort of like a you know a whitewashed version of a Roku Saki, the name yeah. even. Eric so it's like Sachs. I agree with you. Like if it if they kept Eric Sachs as the Shredder, people would have been pissed. And I you know I did a little research, and apparently Iron Man three and the whole Mandarin twist might have been a, a factor in why they were like, oh crap, we can't do that. Okay. Which is which is which makes sense. But it's understandable. I, I feel it feels to me like a. You know, if you have Eric Sachs as Shredder, that's a problem. If you, you know, they, they're trying to match together two different versions of the story, which is why we're like, wait, what is your motivation? What are you doing here? The, the whole the whole scene with Shredder and Splinter when they when they're having their big battle. Yeah. I'm watching this movie through the lens of knowing that that was supposed to be Eric Sachs. And I'm like, that would make so much more sense because as yeah, it is in the movie, Shredder and Splinter don't know who the hell each other are. It's just he's no. just some dude. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the movie in the yeah. first act does so much legwork to like connect everybody together and like so when splinter isn't eric sachs in as an audience you're just like 
why isn't he Eric Sachs? It would still be dumb, but it would make sense. Right. Well, there's that there's that part of the confrontation when they're talking and he's like, oh, you know, you'll never you won't splinters like you, you won't lay a hand on my sons or whatever. And you can tell that thematically had that been Eric Saxon as Shredder uh, that he would have said something like, you know, you're you think you're their father. I created them because yeah, he was, the, like you know, that. that would have made sense. It would have been the two like father figures of the turtles, essentially yeah. battling it out for supremacy instead of like, yeah. who the hell are these people yeah, in the context of the movie? And that's the other problem is like the movie has no central theme whatsoever right. because of that. It's like, and then not everything. It's like, what I watch this. I'm like, what is this even about? Like, I see a first act and a third act. I see no second act in this film. Yeah. Like there's nothing. There's like a good setup and then some stuff happens and then action scenes. Yeah. It's like there, there's not a story here to be found. It's like, oh, well, April got fired from her job by Guinan. So, you know, Whoopi Goldberg, which apparently Whoopi Goldberg is a big Ninja Turtles fan, which is why yeah. she is in here. And I thought that was very cool. It's that is little, cool. This little part. But, but yeah, it's like with if Sax had been Shredder, there would have at least been like a minor theme of like, again, like the first movie, like differing father figures, one who only views the turtles as like a means to a monetary, a monetary and personal end. And another who views them as like actual children, like adopted children to him. But it's not here. <laughs> no, no. In, yeah. Instead, you get vestiges of the, uh, you know, the Dimension X. It was going to be a very Dimension X-centric story oh, where the no. turtles are, are aliens from Dimension X and <laughs> Shredder was from Dimension X and it was all Dimension X. And then you have that mashed together with Eric Sachs as like this tycoon who wants to unle- unleash a virus. And so we get a movie that kind of has no idea what it is other than the launch of a brand new franchise well, and, and hopefully billions of dollars of and, revenue, et cetera. See, and that's the thing. Like I, 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 this is just one of those, I don't like to apply this term to a lot of movies, but I, I think this is one of the very few where I can just say you made this because you wanted to start a franchise. Yep. Like, maybe the original script of this would have been something weird and would have been thematically coherent and might've had a character arc for someone. This doesn't have those things. And it's frustrating too, because there are, there there's clearly stuff they could have worked with. I mean, we all know the mythology of these characters and Karai is in here again, kind of as a character for no reason. Yeah. And I like the, the actress who plays her does a fine job. Yeah. It's very like, 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 she has a very fine job with it. I'm just like, I wish she was in it more and that her name was even mentioned at any point in the script. Like, I right. don't think her name is ever dropped. So if you're not a fan who knows that already, it's going to be like, who's that random henchwoman with the, with like the red pink hair? Yeah. As an introduction for people who don't know these characters, it doesn't work. And as a representation of the characters that we all know, it doesn't work really. No. So it's like I, I don't know. It's I, you know, it seems feels cliche to say who is this movie for, but who is this movie but for? No, Kids, adults, really, fans, newbies? And, like I don't know. And, and that's the thing. Like 
I don't like I don't often ask that question because I think it is thrown around a lot. But I in watching this, I was like, no, really, who is this for? <laughs> because we start out with this gritty ish terrorist militia overrunning New York. We do that for 20 minutes and then it's like turtle farts and pop culture jokes. <laughs> and then it's like a giant battle on top of a building with a character that we don't care about who has no relationship to our heroes. Yeah. Who we also don't care that much about because <laughs> they haven't had it. We haven't had enough time with them. Yeah. And, and, and you know, uh, the design issues do, do not help. For the turtles and for Shredder, Shredder's basically a transformer. Oh my god! He, with his with his arms, he's like those the literal stupid, Swiss Army man. Like those um, stupid like magnetic knives. Okay, they do something cool with the magnetic knives once. Like when him and Splinter are fighting, and yeah. the knives come back. That's a really cool shot where like Splinter is flipping around. But like, yeah, most of it, it's like oh, Deceptor Shredder. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Like, it looks like human sized Megatron with the way they've like metalized his suit. Yep. Yeah. Um, not, not a fan of that. Uh, what do you think about the, the origin, the way they do the origin where the, the turtles were, uh, you know, l- experimented on in the lab with April's dad and uh, air quote, Eric Sachs, uh, that they were basically her pets. And then I think like, I don't even mind all that so no, much. I don't. It's, I, I remember, yeah, go ahead. I remember a lot of people were pissed about that. And and watching it now, I'm like, you know what? Look, it's a new reboot. They can do what they want to do. Like, right. that in and of itself, that's not a bad thing. In fact, I'm like, hey, all right. That supposedly could establish an emotional connection between exactly. – That establishes an emotional connection between her and the turtles. Yep. They don't capitalize on it much, but it is there. Like, she has a relationship with them already. And again, I think that, and I think Megan Fox, when she's like interacting off of them, she does, I think she does best in scenes where she's talking to them. Yeah. Like, cause she's given them eye contact and her reactions feel natural when they move and get closer to her. And like, it's weird. Cause like in the funniest scene with her for me is like the scene where she's like going back home and like, throwing out all these boxes of stuff and realizing the connection. And he's like, they were my pets. They were my childhood pets. And I named them. <laughs> it's like, and then her roommate's like, mom, I want to go home. <laughs> I do. That's like the best laugh in the movie. Yeah, for sure. It's like, I don't want to be in this weird ass movie. Get me out of here. <laughs> like there are, there are exactly two moments of like, of realism in this movie that are very funny. The, the one is one of them is that her roommate saying, Mom, I want to go home. And the second is Whoopi Goldberg's reaction to her telling her boss, like, there are si- there are four six foot giant turtles who do karate walking around. <laughs> and again, Whoopi Goldberg, like William Fickner, never bad. Uh, when is oh she bad? God. She no, she comes never. in and you and you know Whoopi just came on set. What am I doing? She's telling me a bunch of nonsense. I'm calling it out. Cool. I got this. <laughs> And oh, she yeah. just rolled with it. And she's like, no, all right, I'm awesome. good. Yeah. It is funny because like, I'm watching Star Trek The Next Generation now where she plays like a prominent supporting character on that. Uh-huh. And so I'm laughing going like, oh, yeah, I see you as this character now. But she's still she's still funny in here. I wish I wish she, they could have found a way to put her in it more. Like, yeah. 
even it was like just at the end of the movie, going like, O'Neill, you're hired back. Yeah. Like does she even in. does she even like what even happened? You you know, we were talking no. earlier. What even happens with April's career they don't per, they like, com- prospects? They, they, they completely drop that. <laughs> even that like, they don't keep up with. That's right. Yeah, Jesus. Like, did, like okay. Did like did did helicoptering in a like a correct shredder really cause you guys to drop April's character arc, or was that just never going to be picked up on at all? Right. I, I'm I'm trying to figure out how having all this Dimension X stuff would have related back to her desires to be a news person. Yeah, and I can't connect it in my mind because they clearly in earlier versions of this movie they wanted to they were going to have Bebop, Rocksteady, Casey Jones, oh, Krang, all that all the stuff that comes into the next one. Yeah, uh, and I, this would have this would have been like oh. way different kind of bad movie uh, with all that crammed I, in here. I think this would have been the craziest bad movie of 2014 <laughs> if they had Krang and Bebop and Rocksteady and Casey Jones in this story and they were trying to do everything else they're trying yeah. to do. It, it would have been like the biggest, how is Hollywood spending this much money on this insane of ideas? I think, it, I think the thing is when the, when this came out and this was at least from my experience, it had been almost a decade since the animated one that basically went nowhere and yeah. more than two decades since the, you know, the yeah. early nineties ones. So I was just like, Sure, whatever. I'll take it. <laughs> it's well, fine. It's a Turtles yeah. movie. It's, it has all these issues, which I saw up front. And I was yeah. just like, fine. Uh, there's a morsel of, of uh, you know, Nothing, the Ninja Turtles man. I recognize. Yeah. I'll, 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 I'll feast on that and ignore the, I mean, the rest as much as I can. Yeah, I mean, I gave this, I gave both of these movies two out of five stars when I reviewed them on release. Mm-hmm. And I stick by that. Like this one, especially, I'm like, there are good moments in here. Yeah. Like, you know, again, like when the turtles can actually talk to each other, even though they're weird to look at, they, they try. And, you know, the, like the moment where Leo calls out Splinter and he says, dad, is yeah. kind of nice. I mean, I was the other thing, like, like I thought back to the scene, like, so there's a bit where they're getting like tased repeatedly. And I thought back to a, there's a, the scene, there's a scene in Lyle, Lyle Crocodile where the title character gets tased there too. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, wow. I'm, I can't believe I'm actually kind of feeling sorry for like, I mean, obviously I should be like, it's animals getting tased. Right. Of course. It's like, and I did, but I'm like, I would care so much more if this, if I hadn't met them like 10 minutes ago. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and yeah, it's like it's an hour and forty minute movie. It takes twenty minutes for them to make their official appearance into the story. And if I was like an eight year old kid watching this, I don't know how much I would care until the turtles showed up. Yeah, it's true. It, I mean, it's weird. Like again, I hate to make keep making comparisons to the first movie. But it's like in the first well, th- movie. This movie makes comparisons to the first. It, it oh, well, yeah, invites I, that. I, I guess. Yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. In the first movie, it opens up really well with like a quick exposition dump about like where the city is and April and Neil's a reporter and the thing. And she gets, you know, she gets attached by muggers. And then, you know, we see the turtles within about five minutes of that movie starting. 
and it's and we're still able to have April be like our human entrance into right. their existence. Well, and there's a there's even though that movie I think is even shorter than this one. Uh, I think that movie is like it like ninety minutes or like sure, eighty seven yeah, minutes. Yeah, very short, yeah. Yeah, it's very, it's very tight. tight. It's a very tightly paced movie. You still get the, enough time with April and the turtles that they establish that a friendship. They they like hang out in her apartment and they're yeah. hanging out and pe- eating pizza or whatever. And they're just like bonding, like, like doing character see, stuff. Yeah, like we see them just hanging out, chilling as yeah. brothers. Exactly. And we get like Splinter loves them. He's like, oh, kids and. And we've got the foot stuff going on as like this much more grounded and believable, just you know, thievery group, to like a street in. gang, like, yeah, basically. Yeah, like, like the foot in that movie, and I love that you didn't make a joke about it. It sounds like a club for podiatrists or something. Yes, and it's like <laughs> you know, in that movie, I buy it a lot more than I do the foot kaida, where it's like, yeah. what do we? How did they get in here? Like, how? No, how did they get in here? How did they establish roots? Like, yeah. there are people holding people. There are people holding civilians hostage in the subway with bombs, <laughs> and nobody in law enforcement is coming down here to try and do anything. Oh, God, yeah, I don't know. I, I, in twenty fourteen, it was nice to have. A Ninja Turtles back in general, and that's yeah. why when the sequel brings in so much, so many more elements from the animated show, I was happy to see that. And well, then they just dropped it all. So well, in this, you even you get like a couple, you get like a Usagi Yojimbo like kind of yeah, reference. Okay. You get like a Baxter Stockman cameo for like five seconds. Oh, oh do uh, you? Sort of. I, I, I it's that. it's I think it's on a TV or something somewhere. Okay. Like it's basically teasing like. You know, this is what we could do if we knew what we were doing. We could like build <laughs> some he, more of that. <laughs> but was he portrayed by Tyler Perry? He was not. Sadly. Oh, or, or fortunately, maybe. Oh, uh, but no. But really, and I guess like, and okay. So I guess on the more positive end of this movie, I think the action that I can see is actually pretty cool. Like the <laughs> like you know the snow like all the stuff on like Eric on. Oh, I forgot his name. Eric Sachs's property and like the snow mountain. That is really cool. Like we've never seen anything on that scale with them before. Right. And, you know, yeah. And then like the, and even though the top on fire, the fire on top of the building is dumb, it's still cool to see them. It's still cool to see them do that. Just like, with more dynamic camera movements going on. Yeah. And, and more stuff. Cause like, yeah, I, I think whoever the action choreographer was for this, they did the best job. And again, even like the splinter fight in the sewer, that's cool. Some that's that's pretty cool. So yeah, like the fights in this are good. It's just the stuff around them. I'm like, everything is underdeveloped. There's a really good Mo- Turtles movie here that isn't there yet. Yeah, this is like midway through development on the script is where this is. Well, yeah, it almost feels like a, it, it almost, it honestly feels like a first draft that someone would hand in with points to be like expanded on in future drafts. Yeah. But someone said, Oh no, 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 shoot this. And you're like, no, I'm not done. Oh yeah, you are. We're shoot- we gotta do this now. 
Yeah, we okay. got that release date staked out August uh, uh, 8th, like 2014 or whatever. Uh, uh, okay, I, I guess we can be done. I, I wasn't through with my draft, but if that's what you want, then we'll do it. Uh, boy. No. Um, and, and, yeah. And I guess, like, last thing I'll say is, like, I think Megan Fox's best performance is in Jennifer's body. 100%. Um, and I think she's good in the Transformers movies. Like even like what the material is, I think she does a good job in there. And I heard that she did this movie, like these movies for her kids apparently. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't, I don't hate her as April O'Neil. I think she's, I think she's acceptable enough. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody, but like, anyway, like I was like, when she has bad line meetings, it's, like funny bad so i don't mind it but like yeah, she, yeah she just this feels just so much like of course you cast megan fox to say to o'neill it's 2014 yeah she's she's fine she's not the problem it's the material yeah. is the problem i mean we've yeah, yeah we've established like, that the, yeah the, the material is the problem none of the actors are like i can't believe how good this cast is for what's in front of them right yeah uh but yeah it's and yeah, like it's something like I enjoyed watching it like for all the missed opportunities and moments that I actually liked. And just, you know, again, the, the vocal performances outside Johnny Knoxville are good. See, like, there, I think if I had like a 12 year old child, I think they would dig this no younger. Yeah. There's, there's, something recognizable beneath all the stuff that we were criticizing. And I think that's why for me, like these, these, this one in the sequel, they're like, ah, I won't defend them, but it's also like, they're kind of guilty pleasures because I'm such a sucker for this franchise at this, at that point, yeah. I'm just like, sure, whatever you put turtles in a movie. I, I'm there, I guess. And then I got like, this is a, like revisiting this, revisiting this film for this podcast. Like I found like, Oh yeah, this is ridiculous. And I kind of, dig it for that like yeah it's 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 a definite guilty pleasure for me like i'll go back and watch this again and enjoy the good stuff and laugh at the at the stuff that doesn't work for me right um i mean yeah it's so like it's not a so yeah i would not defend it as being like an overall good movie but i i will say like an effort was made to try and make the best out of a very awkward series of situations that they could not foresee. Yep. So that being said, what do you think is the legacy of the TMNT movie series? All of them from the 91 up to out of the shadows. Obviously we have mutant mayhem coming uh, this fall. So who the hell knows what that's going to look like? I don't know. I mean, I'm excited. I'm like, Hey, new Ninja Turtles. I'm there. <laughs> exactly. But, but yeah, I think the, I think the legacy of this franchise at this point, it's going to be a mixture of like people who grew up in the eighties and saw the cartoon and liked the old movies, like showing it to their kids. And then also the kids who grew up on the 2003 cartoon and 2012 cartoon, you're like, we're a couple of decades removed now. So, and like every decade is a new generation of kids. Mm-hmm. So I think there are multiple, like, I think there are multiple generations right now who will want to share the Ninja Turtle lore with their with their own children and like just go back and watch the movies 
and just see like how they change and how each of them represents the time period they were released in. I mean, yeah. So I think I think the Turtles is going to be one of those like stalwart franchises that just sticks around. I think it's also one of the better examples of comic a comic book based franchise that is just like on paper so ridiculous, and yet when it's adapted, has to expertly toe that line between acknowledging how ridiculous it is and also taking it seriously enough. And, you know, that's in an age where Marvel has been doing their thing for over a decade and has have made movies about talking tree and Ant-Man and all these other characters who also sound ridiculous. I think, yeah, I think they're, they're, you know, they were one of the earlier versions other than Superman and Batman of like, okay, how do we, how do we take this, which sounds dumb, <laughs> and make it so that everyone watching it can kind of get engaged and and forget the fact that they're six foot tall turtles, and that's kind of a, a goofy well, idea. Yeah, and the thing, again, I again, this came out. The other thing about this is that this movie came out in. You can tell that this movie came out in that period of like right after the Dark Knight trilogy ended yep. and everybody's like trying, it's like scrambling to like, all right, what kind of movies can we make? What kind of properties can we make like grounded and serious? And every, and it's like, Hey guys, um, either adapt the comic straight, which as I am aware, they are very dark and adult. Right. Or try and toe that line between kids can watch this, but there's going to be some messed up stuff in it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's just a, it's such a bizarre monster of like we got to make it for the Nickelodeon kids who are watching the the CG cartoon. We also got to make it for the forty year old adults who've been watching this since 1987, and we got to make it for like the teenagers who are going to drag to it and the Megan Fox fans, and it's like. You tried to make this for everyone. I yeah. I mean, I, the the thing is that we have a a movie from 1990 that kind of works on all those levels, so well, it can be done. Yeah, and that and that was the funniest thing because it's like, you know, guys, it, like something that I've grown out of is like, I don't really like this thing that 90s movies do where they'll put in goofy sound effects at random moments. Yes, I I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah, I don't like that generally. In the Trolls movie, it works because they do it sparingly and they're playing into the inherent goofiness of it. Like, it's based on a cartoon. And there are cartoonish moments in that movie where the sound effects feel appropriate and they don't conflict with the darker elements of that story. And so it's like, you can totally make a Ninja Turtles movie that has an overall kind of dark and serious story and have that ridiculous, goofy kid comedy in it. Like, you can speak to two audiences at once with these characters easily. You just have to put in the work to do it. Well, maybe, hopefully, Mutant Mayhem will will nail that, and then we'll get six movies, we'll get Rat King on the big screen, and <laughs> I'm trying to think, the Technodrome again, I, you know, all that stuff, give me everything. I want to see an animated Turtles movie that has Krang in it. Yeah. Because Krang in live action kind of freaks me out. Like, even <laughs> yes. More, even more than the, like, because by the same movie, I'm like, all right, the trolls look like that. I'm used to it. And they've tested right. their designs a little bit so that they don't look as. Yeah, yeah they like brighten them up or something, I think. Yeah, they, they brighten bit. their skin tones up. They made them less detailed also in their suit designs. And then Krang pops out. And you're like, 
Am I in the same movie? <laughs> like, am I in the same universe? You, no, you've entered Dimension X. Did this, and like, oh god, like I feel like Krang is just one of those villains that's going to work best in live in animation because of yeah. how bizarre he is. Like, I know that the '80s cartoon did him. The I the 2003 cartoon did a version of that. They have these aliens called the Utroms that are kind of like that. Like their uh-huh. brains inside of robot bodies. But again, it was animated. So I went with it. <laughs> yeah, a lot a lot lower barrier of entry for well, something like that in its animation. I agree. I was like, like watching this again, it made me want to be like, I want to start the 2003 series from the beginning and just watch through that and see how it, how that holds up now. Yeah, I've seen some of that. I think that that's pretty solid and it takes it, you know, it takes it more seriously than obviously the 80s one, which is more ridiculous than yeah, I, I think I, people I, remember. Oh no, I, I've seen clips of the 80s one. Yeah, I love that they've got. Is it Bebop or Rockstar that has the purple sunglasses on? I think so. Yeah, it's one of those two. I think it's, I think it's Bebop. Oh yeah. man, that like this, the <laughs> if there was a cartoon that I would think of that I think is like this is what the '80s was. <laughs> that cartoon is it. It's like this is goofy, and we're just leaning into how ridiculous it is, and we've got that awesome theme tune, and also I like the. I like the shell shock song that plays at the end of this. Yeah, no, it's pretty good. It actually is pretty good. Like it doesn't go totally with the movie, but I kind of love it for that reason. Cause if you were just like coming in and you didn't know it was a turtles movie, you would be like, Oh my God, what movie was this? Oh yeah. God. So all that being said, what is your ranking for these six from I worst to best, I guess, if, if that's easiest. Okay. Worst to best. All right, I wrote, I wrote this down. Probably, so probably like my worst one. Okay, so I think that my my worst one would be Turtles Three. That I, I, Turtles Three to me is the by my recollection is like the one that I would like to watch the least. Mm-hmm. And then number five would be the Ooze because it's it's too cartoonish and doesn't fit in totally with the first movie. Like it's too kiddish. Um, yeah. Then it would be number four would be this one because of everything we've mentioned. Like it's a it's like not good, but it's enjoyably it's enjoyably bonkers in certain ways. Number three would be Out of the Shadows because it the turtles are the lead characters, and I think it's more tonally confident in itself. Yep, definitely. And then number two would be TMNT 2007 for the action, Leo Ra- Leo Raft dynamic. And just, you know, I like the animation style that they used. And then the number one would be TMNT 1990. I think it has the best story and this best story, character work. And, and, it ha- and I like its underlying theme of, you know, good fathers and good versus bad fathers and son relationships. Yeah. I will be shocked if if uh, anybody on this mega series <laughs> picks anything other than 1990, honestly, oh, like we man. did the I did the Muppets last year, and there you know there was I I assumed it would be Muppet movie kind of leading, and it was, yeah. but I you know there was a little bit of like you know somebody I think a couple people had 
great Muppet caper hire or, you know, Good. Christmas Carol, whatever. Like there's, there's a little yeah. bit of more of a conversation to be had there, yeah. but like here I'm like, it, there's a pretty big <laughs> gulf between <laughs> the first big. one and everything else. Well, yeah. And I, I want to know if somebody put like Muppets from space is their favorite one. No, <laughs> nobody. Oh, I don't, oh no, <laughs> no. It was yeah. on the lower end. I don't mind any of those. See, this no. is the thing with the Muppets, with the Turtles, with you know a lot of these characters. Like I grew up with these characters. I will watch them all. I will enjoy mostly all of them to varying degrees, and so they're kind of just grandfathered in in because of my yeah. love of that franchise. I mean, basically, I, I guess for me, like I grew up watching like Muppet Treasure Island repeatedly. Mm-hmm. And then I saw like the newer Muppet movies, and now I've I've slowly been going back and seeing all of the older ones. Like I've seen the Muppet movie. I saw Muppets Christmas Carol for the first time like two years ago with a friend. Oh, wow. That was fun. I mean, so yeah, I'm slowly getting into them. Like I like the Muppets; they're enjoyable. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, and, and yeah, I, I'll see anything that I'll watch anything that has the turtles in it. Like. Even the 2012 cartoon, if it's childish, I'm like, okay, that's great. And I've actually heard that that I've heard that that one does have like a serious-ish side to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen a little bit of that. My my daughter again, who's six, has seen some of the 80s ones, some of the 2003, and I think some of the 2012, and she seemed to like all of those. So. Uh, I think as long as as long as each of those seems to know what it is, though, that's yeah. the that's the difference between those and this movie. This movie, this movie, this movie. Uh, I, I I wish I could travel back in time and just tell Paramount and Nickelodeon people like, okay, okay, cast K Hoi Kwan. Do not cast yeah. William Fickner. Cast this guy. He'll be big in a few yeah. years. Yeah, exactly. And then, like you know, stick with your crazy dimension X idea, whatever that was going to be. <laughs> like, it's okay. The biggest movie in the world right now is about uh, a, a girl with ice powers. People will go for it. Yeah. I, I kind of feel like part of it was they had too much shot with Fickner. So they couldn't really go back and redo it. And also Fickner is a Bay guy. Like he's in the Armageddon. I think he's been in a few others yeah, of his movies. Been- so I think that it's just like, Bay is like, okay, here, I'm producing this movie. Fickner's your villain. That's go for it. And Fox is April. And again, both of Fox is fine in the role. Fickner's good with what he has, but it's just, yes. I think they, they couldn't decide what to do. So they, they picked well, the lesser of two evils. Yeah. And I wish that, and also this is also coming from like Michael Bay's platinum dunes company, yep. which was like at that time, I remember this growing up. It was like, he was, I didn't know it was him doing it, but like he was producing remakes of like every iconic horror franchise around this period. Yeah. And so I'm like, Oh, Freddie and Jason and Texas chain and Leatherface. Oh yeah. Turtles is a good next option. They're just a scary looking, honestly. So, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, like, I would love to see this if they had just committed to like a horror version of it. 
Like, <laughs> like they're doing the the Winnie the Pooh one, the Blood oh, and Honey, and then the the Grinch, yeah, the mean one, or whatever. Yeah, like something like <laughs> you don't even have to change the designs that much. Just make them no. like villains instead of heroes. Yeah. Oh man, uh, I, hope, I hope there's not somebody listening to this who's like, I love these designs. Uh it's strange, but it's uh, it's, it's it's the it's, turtle. So yeah, it's, we, it's, we, all, it's it's always a little weird. Yeah, exactly. Well, I I think that's pretty much all. I everything I have. Uh, Kevin, this yeah. was a blast. Thank you so much for coming on uh, and talking 2014's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Tell people where they can find you on social media. Uh, yeah, you can find me on you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Kevin the Critic. Twitter, it's at Kevin underscore the Critic, and you can check out my writing, like my full film reviews, at kevinthecritic.com. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I'm. I take occasional Twitter hiatuses when it gets too nuts, especially around this time of year. But generally, this, you know, I just like talking about movies, all kinds. You know, it's just I just love doing that. Well, absolutely, and this was a blast. So, well, we'll definitely, I, you know, I'd love to have you back at some point. Oh. We have all kinds of crazy franchises. Oh. Speaking of mutants, we're we're doing X Men later oh, this year. So, yeah. yes, there's a lot, a lot of oh, those. I I'd love to come on for one of those. And yeah, yeah. Sorry. And last thing, I made I made like a list of just dumb, quick, like dumb little things that happened here. Yeah. So, like, one, why is there an animated intro? Two, April doesn't show Whoopi her pictures of the turtles. Why? I asked, wondered that too. Yeah, Splinter, that's strange. Splinter taught himself kung fu. LOL. <laughs> From a book. Megan Fox is the Hogosha. Yeah, and then everything, and then everything else I mentioned previously. But yeah, those are just like little funny things I noticed of like, oh, nobody looked at this and recognized how odd it was i kind of love that you didn't take these out yeah how, how uh, all of those feel like separate subplots none of which come up again um, <laughs> april o'neill is the hogo shah who rescued them. <laughs> yep oh boy come on movie Big thanks to Kevin Thomas, aka Kevin the Critic, for coming on to discuss 2014's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. As we said during this episode, it was it had been a long time since we'd gotten what seemed like the start of a franchise for these guys. Uh, as we said, as Kai and I mentioned in our in the previous episode, 2007's TMNT didn't exactly go anywhere. It kind of doesn't exist at this point. 2014's uh, exists. We remember it. Uh, not exactly fondly, but it was... I think the beginning of a franchise that, again, ended prematurely. It's a, the it's a same old story with these guys. So I want to know, what did you think about 2014's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Still the highest grossing uh, in the franchise, I believe, and also probably one of the least well-regarded. So it, it's, it's a kind of an interesting dichotomy for Ninja Turtles fans. But you can let me know what you thought of the film on Twitter, at Crooked Table, same handle on Instagram, and via email, robert at crookedtable.com. We'll be back next week for the conclusion of this Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles mega series with 2016's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows. You know, you'll have to tune in next week for that, as well as to find out what our guest consensus is for which of these six movies actually nails these characters and the tone the best. So that'll all be next week. That's a wrap on another Crooked Table production. I'll see you at the next stop, everyone.
This has been a production of CrookedTable.com. All rights reserved. That's the yard of the little KED.